Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to talk and transition to the offensive line today, where we will break down looking ahead at the Browns uh, training camp options at offensive line. Just like many positions on offense, they bring everybody back. So that means, again, not a ton of uh, category-based things that are unknown, but still some good talking points. So before we go forward looking at 2021, We'll talk about who made the roster out of camp. Nine offensive linemen out of camp made the roster. Joel Batonio, Jack Conklin, Wyatt Teller, J.C. Treader, Jedrick Wills, your starters. Evan Brown was a backup interior guard. Nick Harris, your backup center. Chris Hubbard and Kendall Lamb are your backup tackles. So you want to look forward at kind of what the Browns might do this year. So if you want to just talk purely who's on the roster. Tackles, obviously Wills, obviously Conklin. Alex Taylor is a dark horse uh, potential offensive lineman who can make the roster. James Hudson, drafted in the fourth round, will be on the radar, obviously, to make the roster. Greg Sinat will be fighting for a job. Okay. And then Chris Hubbard is coming back from injury, should also be on the roster. Now you look at guard. Drew Forbes comes back after his time spent on last year's COVID list. Some high expectations for the young player out of Southeast Missouri State. Um, you obviously have Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio back, your two starting guards. Colby Gossett is on the roster, 6'5", 330 out of Appalachian State. Michael Dunn, who I believe in, heck of a game in the playoffs out of Maryland, 6'5", 307. Cordell Owangwu, 6'3", 313 out of TCU, is a guard on the roster currently. And then switching, uh, oh, nope, some guy named Blake, forgot Blake out of Northwestern. Blake Hans, 6'6", 310, also still on the roster. Looking at centers, Nick Harris, still on the roster, obviously. Pretty considerable lock to make it again. Javon Patterson's the dark horse center. He's going to have a lot of work to cut, a lot of work to do to make the roster. Six three three zero five Mississippi, and then J.C. Treader is uh, obviously your starting center. Is going into year nine uh, out of Cornell. So that's sort of the group going into training camp. Didn't really leave anybody off. It's uh, it's quite lengthy, but they got to cut it down to nine. They could keep ten, but nine is kind of the sweet spot. A couple tackles. Uh, an interior player in a center is kind of the the mo. Little less uh, obvious, I think, than last year, where they did not have as many able you know able people to handle the roles. Is obviously Drew Forbes, I think, is a competent backup guard. I think Michael Dunn's a competent backup guard. James Hudson, they drafted. Uh, Nick Harris, they just drafted last year. Blake Hans uh, was okay when he played when he was needed to be uh, on the field uh, against Pittsburgh out of nowhere. So Alex Taylor fighting for that swing tackle job. We'll see. It's it's probably pretty clear who the four will be um, in some form or fashion. I think you're going to get, I think you're going to get the starting five. You're going to get Drew Forbes as a guard. Probably going to get Michael Dunn as a guard. Uh, you're going to get, um, well that 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 probably right there is the battle because you're going to get Chris Hubbard. We'll see if he's healthy. If he's not, that's a different discussion. James Hudson. The, the battle for the ninth spot might be Michael Dunner or uh, Nick Harris kind of fighting for that role. I guess you could consider Drew Forbes, but I sort of see Drew Forbes as a lock for the roster. So 
it's going to be tight. I mean, if you're going to keep 10, we'll see if they keep 10, but definitely that that Michael Don, Blake Hans, Nick Harris, who's going to be your ninth guy could be an interesting battle. I think Nick Harris center experience has the leg up, but sometimes you can't deny talent. Blake Hans, or sorry, not Blake Hans. I really believe Michael Dunn has an immense amount of talent the way he handled Cam Hayward in the playoffs. So uh, looking at last year's grades, uh, your top guys played a large, large, large portion of the snaps. Um, you know, if you just look at sheer run block snaps, the only guy who was below 400, uh, below 450 was Wyatt Teller, who obviously dealt with four games of injuries. So uh, everybody else had uh, 17, 17, 17, and 18 games played. Um, Treader played in every single game. Joel Batonio missed one. Jack Conklin missed one. Jedrick Wills missed one when he had uh, an early game injury. So grades-wise, um, offensive grades for the top three, J.C. Treader 81, Joel Batonio 85, Jack Conklin 84, Wyatt Teller 92.3, one of the best guard grades in the league last year. I mean, the first three, Conklin, Batonio, Treader, all were solid in both phases. I mean, you, you could tilt it a little bit one way or the other, but Treader was a 76.5 run block rate, 84 pass. Batonio, 81.8 run block, 85.7 pass block. Jack Conklin, 78.8 run block, 81.5 pass block. Jack Conklin labeled as an all-pro. Um, White Teller was a 93.6 run block grade, one of the best run blocking grades in the entire league. He was hurt 90, 91 point, or sorry, 61.7 pass block grade, where he gave up three sacks. Three sacks, and he had uh, allowed uh, 14 pressures. So it's, uh, it's uh, definitely an area where he has to improve to, to become the full, the full range of the player they think he can become. Jack Conklin gave up two sacks, only 11 hurries. One Joe Batonio uh, sack was allowed. He did allow 13 hurries. 18 total pressures. J.C. Treader was magnificent with only six hurries and seven pressures recorded on the season, despite the most snaps out of anybody, 1,192. This is wild. Jedrick Wills is where we have to see improvement. I mean, the thing that I like is that he pass-blocked really well this year. He did give up four sacks, which is the most of the core group. Five hits were the most. 20 total pressures were the most. But he was a 77.6 grade in pass-blocking, which means... He had a, a few slip-ups, but pretty consistently strong performance uh, getting getting from A to B and handling his, his guy across from him. The 52.8 run block grade definitely impacts his grade down to the 62.6 offensive grade. So an area where he absolutely has to get better, and he had 11 penalties, a, a, a lot of which were false start penalties. Has to clean that up. I think there's a, a great amount of talent for a guy switching from the right side to the left side for the first time in his career, but he has to clean those things up. Otherwise, penalties, there were six penalties on Wyatt Teller, two on Conklin, three on Batonio, four on Treader. So, again, your top three, pretty damn talented. And you throw in Wyatt Teller, who's expected to get another contract, and you have four ridiculously talented linemen. And then we think we know about Jedrick Will's talent, which is, uh, in my opinion, uh, it's immense, just raw talent. He's got to keep getting better on the left side. I think that can happen for him. Chris Hubbard, 71.9 overall grade, 64.9 in the run block, 78.3 pass block grade, which was which was great. In eight games he played, 290 total snaps. He had 224 right guard snaps, which is a big change for him, 62 right tackle snaps. He did a great job filling in for, for Wyatt Teller. Really, really impressive. Nick Harris played 143 right guard snaps also when they were in the midst of COVID. 
uh, 51.3 grade uh, overall, 62.3 in run block, and then a 34 pass block grade, which was, which was sound. It sounds about right. He struggled in the New York trip uh, handling those roles. He had two sacks allowed, uh, four total pressures allowed. Uh, otherwise, uh, Michael Dunn gets two games, 54 snaps, 76.2 overall grade, 76.5 in run blocking, 63.1 pass block grade allowed one pressure. Like Tim, when he found a chance, Blake Hans played 47 snaps across two games, 47.7 overall grade, 60.6 run block, 20.5 pass block. That's where I think he struggled, uh, struggled the most. But that's about it. That's about a wrap. We should mention Kendall Lamb too. Apologies. He had 129 left tackle snaps when he stepped in for uh, Jack Conklin when Jack missed some in-game time. He did play 50 right tackle snaps, 66.7. Offensive grade, 52.6 run block, 69.5 pass block, which is pretty consistent for his career. We're going to talk to the Titans beat writer uh, coverage for our last AFC contender preview. And Kendall Lamb's expected to get serious time, maybe even start for Tennessee. So good for him. Seems like a good dude. Team loved him. Uh, He should get an opportunity to start somewhere because it's not going to happen here. So that's kind of it for the offensive line. I want to sort of look at these categories with uh, Brent Sobleski of Bleacher Report, who I think does a great job. And we can go through, break down some of these positions, who has the most pressure, uh, role changes, things like that, and look ahead to what should be, again, one of the most dynamic offensive lines in both phases in the NFL. So let's get over to our conversation with Brent right now. Sobo, happy to have you, brother. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. As always, it's nice to get back to my roots. Blame it on my roots. Talking a little Cleveland Browns. It's been a while, and I'm excited for this season. It's weird, Jake, that the team that we followed for so long is actually good, and expectations should be realized. They should be, man. They should be realized. You're right. We're talking about – well, first we're going to you know, go down your alley again, going to talk O-line, and we're going to talk about what should be the best offensive line in football – and put these categories together as every pod I'm doing preview in camp. I sent this to you ahead of time. Your answers are going to be interesting to me because I think we might we might differ on some. So let's talk first most pressure. Of all the guys up front, you can include the guys outside of the, the, the starting five. Who do you see as having the most pressure to perform this year? I'm actually going to stay within the starting five. Even though, it's, uh, even though we know how good the unit can be overall, there's mitigating factors outside the realm of what occurs on the field. In this case, I'm referring specifically to Wyatt Teller and the fact his contract rookie deal is done after this season. This is a player who established himself as one of the elite interior blockers in the league a year ago, albeit he had a couple injuries um, and was, didn't play the entire season. But he'll be looking for a massive payday after this year. So what you're looking at is where will that payday range eventually fall? And that's the major question mark because will the Cleveland Browns be willing to pay it? If you're looking at the market based on guards, you're essentially looking at a 11 to $14 million annual salary for Wyatt Teller if he plays anywhere near what we saw a year ago. And that's a massive chunk of change considering where the Cleveland Browns currently stand, excuse me, based on the 2022 projected salary cap, what availability they have and others that they need to extend. So with Teller, he, first of all, he needs to continue that level of play we saw a year ago, which dipped a bit over the second half. Now I understand he had an ankle and he also was out uh, due to COVID precautions, but he needs to play an entire 16 game slate at an elite level. And then 
further warrant a massive contract. So if I'm putting expectations on anyone, he is the one I'm looking at to really fulfill his potential and get his bag after this season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Which with money on the line, there's an immense amount of pressure uh, naturally for him that he knows about. There's pressure for other guys that maybe they don't know about. Jed Wills to take other steps. He's got to continue to get better. Got to continue to progress in the run game as he works more on playing that left side. Mm-hmm. I think J.C. Treader with, with what he's done for the Union, all eyes have been on him. He's been an anchor for sort of setting what they think is going to be the future of how the players handle the offseason. With that comes some scrutiny from people who don't understand. You could argue a little bit of pressure there, but your answer on, on Wyatt Teller is is clearly spot on. He knows he's got to perform. If he gets off to an early season hot streak like we saw last year, he shows that this is who I am, or at least my ceiling to basement is pretty narrow. I'm going to be pretty damn good or elite. Do you think they might try to get it done? Like I was curious, Sobo, if... If he plays well the first four or five weeks, if they might say, okay, we just got to get this done, you know what I'm saying, instead of waiting. Absolutely. And, you know, Jake, I I constantly refer back to the guardrails. And I know those were written by Paul DePodesta for a previous regime at the start of a – start of the rebuild. But at the same time, when it comes to talent acquisition and talent retention specifically, you cannot overlook the one quote, identify – and pay early, meaning you identify the talent and you make sure you get them under a team-friendly deal before they can get on the open market and really challenge um, with what offers from other teams. And so in the case of Wyatt Teller, if I'm stacking the board, as it were, when it comes to extensions, if you can get him below the price or at the lower rung of what I just mentioned for the overall guard market, I can see something getting done. But if he starts pushing into that upper tier and his representation wants to go much higher than what we're discussing, that's when it becomes more difficult because you got to prioritize. And that's going to be the word moving forward to Cleveland Browns for the next few offseason. Prioritization. You're looking at Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, right? Nick Chubb. We all forget about Ronnie Harrison's going to be a free agent as well. Mm-hmm. This is These are five key components to what they can do moving forward, and the likelihood of all of them signing extension is probably pretty slight. So if I'm looking at it, Teller is lower on the rung, obviously, than Baker Mayfield, lower on the rung than, uh, than Denzel Ward. Now you have to start questioning how are you going to put that money into Nick Chubb? I'm not sure if you will. And that's and that's the decision the team has to make. Will you continue to invest in your offensive line, which I believe they will do, 
but not necessarily financially. We've already seen them go out and invest in, and sink multiple draft picks in the offensive front. And when you have Bill Callahan and Scott Peters and their ability to develop talent, maybe you let Wyatt Teller walk. And I think that's a realistic possibility, despite the fact that he could be one of the best guards in the league once again this fall. It's probably going to be the first test of whether a guy's willing to take a discount. Everything we gather is that Wyatt loves Cleveland. He's he's close with a lot of the important figures. His, you know, for better or worse, his wife is in that sort of clique of 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 the important, you know, wives around that <laughs> that team. It's it's a thing. It is and how comfortable a family is. So when they sit down and look at this and say, we would prefer to be in Cleveland. If it's a couple million less, we'd rather stay in Cleveland than go to Houston for more money or something or the other. So, like, I think, I'm not positive on this, but just a hunch that this could be the first time where we see somebody potentially look at maybe taking a little less, like you're talking about the lower end of the spectrum on what a guard makes. It's possible. It's possible. Don't know if that'll happen. But I think it could be a test for that sort of thing. Let's talk breakout candidate. Could, again, could be... Any of the five, or some dark horse candidates that, that have uh, that have future roles who could slide into one if if need be. Well, I'm going to name two here. I'm just going to name one quickly because he makes the most sense of, of the established starting five, and that's Jedrick Wills. You mentioned exactly why. Look, I posted this more or this morning on Twitter. He had the highest pass blocking win rate among rookie tackles last year, which is fantastic, especially considering the circumstances, making transition from right to left side. But he was a disappointment in certain ways in regards to the run game. We want to make sure that he continues to get his head crossed, especially on the backside, finishes blocks, uh, not falling off of uh, certain assignments. And so he can definitely improve in that area. So I'm hoping to see him take the next step forward. I think he will. Young, talented player that will be far more comfortable than last season. But if I'm looking at someone just within the overall group, I think can step into a bigger role overall. I've been a fan since of Nick Harris since the moment they drafted him. And I, I remember telling you, Jake, that he is the absolute ideal fit as a center in the outside zone scheme. Now, obviously, you have J.C. Treader, right? And you have to wonder how long he's going to be there because he has $11 million uh, salary cap hit this year. You expect him to be on the team. I don't see any changes forthcoming in that regard. But a year from now, he's just under $10 million, and you can save 8.25 by releasing him. One more point I want to point out, J.C. Treader also has very bad knees. Yeah, <laughs> He does not practice a lot. There's a reason why he didn't perform in, in last year's training camp and that Nick Harris got all the reps. So if something starts to bug Treader, I can easily see uh, Harris sliding in his center and it'd be a pretty easy transition for the entire unit because of the way he was brought in early, was basically had the entire playbook thrown at him, and he performed relatively well. And now you go in year two, I think eventually he's taking that spot. Yeah, I like it. I certainly think a guy, if you know, the Browns had pretty strong offensive line health collectively last year. They, they were get you know, Teller missed a game, uh, that stretch of games, but I think uh, Jed, Jed Wills missed a game where he came in. He started it and missed it, I think, week one, and then it happened later in the year two. It happened in the playoffs, I believe, right? And now the Chiefs game, didn't he miss most of the game? Or I could be off on that. I don't know. One of those games. And then, you know, COVID hit, all of it. But for the most part, they didn't really lose anybody long term. So that could happen. You know, O-line luck swing seasons. And you need guys who are ready to step up. Nick Harris is a great option. I also think Drew Forbes has real breakout potential. People started to really like Drew. I thought he had a pretty strong uh, training camp. 
in preseason, his rookie year, you know, obviously didn't get many opportunities his rookie year, uh, but was ready to come in last year and compete. And I don't think he's going to win a job by any stretch of the imagination. But as a guy who can play along the interior, play those guard spots that can be interchangeable, I think he has a real chance. If somebody, knock on wood, uh, were to be lost, he can step in and fill some roles. And I like his athleticism. I like his upside. So between Nick, between uh, Drew Forbes, I think you got real, really nice interior options. We'll see what James Hudson can be on the outside, but that is uh, those are those are good candidates. There's there's highlighted new roles. There's something we talk about. I'm not entirely sure if there's a new role, which is good. I mean, they, they, we talked about this. I'm sure you've talked about it. I've talked about it. they're not replacing anybody. It's a rare thing to not be replacing anyone on your offense from year to year, and that's what they're doing this year. So it's tough for these new roles. But is there anything that pops out to you there? Well, I'm curious to see how the swing tackle uh, is going to work out this during preseason because, and we'll get to this here shortly in the in the next question. But you know, with Chris Hubbard considering his salary cap and coming off injury, and you have two young options in Hudson and Alex Taylor, I really want to see if one of those younger younger blockers can really usurp that position as the swing tackle. I think Alex Taylor played relatively well last you know in the preseason and through training camp considering you know he was obviously a project coming out of South Carolina State to me I still thought he was a draftable talent Uh, he played performed well at the senior bowl Uh, a guy that you look at physically has all the tools as long as you get him coached up he's a guy that I think can play left or right tackle if need be so I'm looking at him and Hudson and what Callahan can do with them and seeing if they can step up and maybe push one of the older veterans off the roster entirely. Yeah, that that does build to what we talk about next, the, the trade candidates. I definitely think Chris – I mean, it depends on how Chris Hubbard comes back. I think he's one that you could that could potentially be looked at. Is there anyone else that stands out to you, or is that kind of the end of the line there? That's the main one. I mean, there's guys – like you want to see Forbes, obviously, like you mentioned – uh, Blake Hans is, is how how is he going to perform now? He's actually with the team, you know, not just yeah. being pulled off of a practice squad <laughs> right yeah. before the playoffs start and having to drive across two states just to make sure he's part of the roster and and then play well against Cameron Hayward, which is just a wonderful Cinderella story. So, you know, I think the biggest thing when it comes to this year, what's going to be amazing is. We know there's talent. We know there's depth. But how is it going to shake out based on the actual opportunity to get quality reps, quality preparation, and just basically bit get into the swing of a normal NFL offseason? And we'll learn more about guys like Taylor and Hans and Mike, Michael Dunn and Drew Forbes, who opted out last year. So that's what I'm most excited about because we know what the starting five is going to look like. We need to know what that next tier is, especially when they want to start – moving on from guys in the following offseason because that's going to become a reality sooner than later. Yeah, Michael Dunn's one that's particularly interesting to me because I think he's more than a rosterable player. And there are some offensive lines in the NFL that are bad that could use use him. I know there's not a ton of data on him, but the way anybody who can play Cam Hayward in the playoff game as well as he played Cam for three quarters, three and a half quarters, I was kind of blown away. Like he completely dominated the point of attack. And that's something through the history of Joel Batonio's career, he has not played Cam Hayward very well. And to see him sort of neutralize that player to the point that he did, it's like, okay, I think you can see this guy is clearly an NFL-level player. Uh, it's, it's a matter of if some team decides they need that guy, they need a guard, they need somebody that they think they can develop, and whether Cleveland thinks that we need to hold on to this kid because we see potential fluctuation going on along the interior here and we need to have some answers. So that's a guy that sticks out. Is there anyone... 
from a, I think you you probably mentioned him a second ago, but the surprise fifty three man candidate who people might not be talking about making the roster but sneaks on. Well, obviously, I'm leaning towards Taylor for the reasons mm-hmm. I stated. I just think he has the ability to do so, um, and I really like his long term projection at as that swing tackle. And yeah, I was talking him up earlier, but it's also a financial decision, right? Because if you trade someone or cut someone, Chris Hubbard, depending on injury status, depending on interest, this is a guy you can save $3.6 million in one fell swoop just by moving on from him. Now, the question is, are uh, as a team and a coaching staff, are you comfortable moving forward with Taylor in year two and Hudson in year one as your uh, tackle options if anyone were to go down? That's something Bill Callahan has to answer. But if they do perform well, specifically Taylor, I think he's someone that could really push Hubbard off off the roster and really create a niche for him that maybe some people aren't expecting. It's a good point. It's a good point. I I definitely think Hans will be a guy who's fighting for a role who who ha- who will have a real opportunity to land one, but it's again like wide receiver I've talked about, obviously quarterback and running back and tight end. Most of the roster guys are pretty clear cut. There'll be some, you know, some infighting that can happen there, but it just seems like this team is relatively ready to come back and be pretty similar to what we've seen from an offensive standpoint. So, um, yeah, Taylor's one that might be might be a surprise. Is there anything else on the O line you want to add before we go, Sobo? I, I just well, I want people to appreciate this conversation, and I know that sounds weird, and I'm not trying. It's not stroking my own ego. It, it's the fact that the depth that we're discussing with the Cleveland Browns offensive line. Let's not forget. The first two years, Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. They had the worst offensive tackles in football, period. Yes, they were strong up the middle. But watching guys like Hubbard and and Chris er, and Greg Robinson and uh, Desmond Harrison <laughs> play the position, how quickly that this group has not only coalesced with their starting five, but then the additions that they've made with Hans and Harris and Dunn and Hudson and Taylor. I mean, these aren't... And these aren't well-regarded individuals by any means coming out of the draft or off the team's practice squads. And yet, of any team in the NFL, I, I fully believe Cleveland has the most depth of any offensive front in football, period. So once you reach that point, it's not just about being the best overall offensive line. It's also being about if there's injuries, can you get guys that can step in and not miss a beat? Do you have the talent to potentially move on from much bigger salaries and and not have to worry about there being a, a gaping hole with that player departing? These are things that we haven't discussed before, Jake, and I think it's a huge, huge deal going into 2021 season is the fact that the, the Cleveland can rely on this group, that they could take nine to ten players into the regular season on the final 53, and they won't miss a beat, and that to me – signals a lot of positive things coming the way for the Cleveland Browns this fall. It was the same thing we said a wide receiver, which has been so deprived for so long to have guys on your practice squad like Derek Willies and, and Ryan Switzer and some of these others. It's like, man, you're kind of spoiled. I mean, I know you can always complain and pick apart and we want this guy, that guy, or the other, but they've got guys who are all NFL talent players and they've had years for so long where the fringe of the 53 were guys that nobody else in the league wanted. They're going to have some people that they can genuinely trade for picks because people might want to avoid going on waivers to try to get those guys. So it is it is quite the 360 
from what we've seen, I guess it'd be a 180. But otherwise, with 360, we're in the same place. So, but we don't want to do that. We want to go somewhere else. So it's 180 from where they've been in the past. Thanks for joining me, man. No, thank you for having me. And do that 360. Be excited. Spin all the way around. <laughs> we will. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hope you're having a great weekend. If you're listening to this on Saturday or Sunday, we're going to provide another bonus content uh, podcast tomorrow. Again, the last AFC Contender Series. Put that up. I appreciate your guys' time listening to this podcast. Reminder, join us and subscribe to Twitch. We're going to be there for all of our live OBR coverage very soon. Just a matter of two weeks. Training camp's coming. That's when we're going to have it up. Pretty excited about it. You guys should join it. Some creative ways we can interact on the live uh, live streams every pretty much every night. Six out of seven weeks is what the plan is right now. We'll see how that goes. Pre-game, post-game shows should be a blast. Again, appreciate you joining. Have a great weekend with family. Have fun. Stay safe. And as usual, until we talk next time, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.